Hello, and welcome back to the People Analytics Podcast. As always, I'm the host, Sean Boyce, CEO and founder of StaffGeek. Today, I'd like to welcome my guest to the show, Adrian Bernard, who is the SVP of Operations at AdmitHub, which is an AI-powered chatbot that, through powerful nudges, is on a mission to help learners take the next steps towards a more fulfilling life. Adrian has been in HR and people operations her entire career and has been able to build out people operations and teams in her last two roles. She's passionate about the impact that a partnership approach to people ops can have on the organization and its human resources. Outside of work, Adrian lives in the burbs with her entrepreneurial husband. Check out podknife.com to learn more about that. And her nine and five-year-old kids who love basketball, disc golf, Barbies, and snacks. Mm -hmm. And uh, hello, Adrian. How are you? And welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Sean. I'm doing well today. Yeah, hanging in there, taking in a day at a time. All and good. playing disc golf whenever you can, right? Yes. Yeah, we're all into disc golf. My kids are actually outside right now playing. <laughs> it's a great awesome. way to get you outside. All ages, welcome. Very cool. I've seen a little bit of disc golf before. I'm not quite sure exactly how it works, but it looks awesome. So I definitely yeah. want to kind of get involved. So I'll take yeah, any tips you got. It's a great sport. It's very all access, honestly. Um, and it's just like golf, except you're using discs of different weights and sizes as a putter, a driver, and a mid-range. And you are trying to get the disc into a basket with chains instead of a little ball into a little hole. <laughs> very cool. I play regular golf. That golf sounds much more exciting. So maybe it I is. think about making the switch. <laughs> yes, definitely. Awesome. There's If you just search disc golf, you'll find there's a pro tour. There's some pretty incredible players out there. Um, and it's really exciting to watch. <laughs> Very cool. Well, thank you, duly noted. And uh, before we kind of dive into the topic that we're going to discuss today, which we're excited about, if you could please give for our listeners a little bit more information about your background and how you came to be doing the work that you're doing today. Sure. Yeah. I've always been in HR. I had the, the benefit and privilege of going to a school that had a, a master's program that you could do for free if you could do it in the year. And so it was only in a, a few select focus areas and one of them was a master's of science and professional communication and I was able to focus on HR in that and that was through discussions with career advisors and counselors that were in the school that I felt like hey this could be something that I could actually really enjoy and do well and started with an internship and went from there started in recruiting as most people do in HR uh, and then was able to find my way up through a generalist track into the roles that I'm in now so always been in HR. I know there's definitely people out there who are able to transition into HR from other careers. And there's a lot of people I know like me who found it after school and just stuck with it. Very good. And thank you for sharing. And that kind of leads us to the topic we want to discuss today. And that is, since you have a tremendous amount of experience here, what it looks like to actually build out that HR function at your organization from the beginning. So if you yeah. could, love to learn a little bit more from you here, how you've done this at the organizations you have previously, and then we'll have some more specific questions for you about what others might be interested in specific to that topic. Yeah, absolutely. So I've had the benefit of doing this for my past two roles, which has been really exciting and was a career goal of mine in the past as well. I had decided at some point in my almost nine years at one organization that my next step would be either consulting or going to a startup and building out a people operations function. So I was able to do um, the latter and it's been really exciting. I've been able to do it twice now. And what I love about it is 
I'm able to take all these years of experience and apply it into taking the best parts and knowing what doesn't work <laughs> and apply it into building. Um, and you're always gonna get new challenges, new opportunities at a new organization. So you can't just set it and forget it. You really do have to be um, troubleshooting and problem solving and overcoming barriers. And then when you're the one in charge of doing it, <laughs> you also have to be thinking about the long term and the impact that all these decisions you're making will have in the long term for the organization as a whole, which is a really amazing responsibility to get to have. So um, at my last two positions, I've been able to come into a little bit already happening with HR and really been given the keys to the kingdom, so to say, in terms of saying, hey, we trust you, you've, you've been there, you've done it, we trust your experience, we trust your judgment, run a few things by us, but go for it. And that's been, um, being afforded that opportunity has been really incredible. And so I've really been able to say, I love these things and I want to do them everywhere. And I'm not sure about these things and I wanna try them out or get feedback. Um, and the one thing that I've learned in both places that I think is so important is that you have to be building those trusting relationships to make any of it successful. So I really do think that approaching HR with a partnership lens is so important, especially if you're going in and building out a function for the first time. That makes a ton of sense. And the background is super helpful, especially for kind of what we wanted to talk about next. Uh, got a bunch of questions for you, obviously, Great. but first and foremost, something we talked about before is like, what's trending currently in HR and how's that changing over time? In particular, what we talked about is that you've seen that HR functions start to get built out earlier and earlier in or an organization's history. So I'd love you to talk a little bit more about that, kind of why do you think that is? And then, you know, when should companies realistically start thinking about building out that HR function of their own? Yeah, absolutely. So something that's been really interesting to hear is as I've made transitions and interviewed with places in in many of the conversations I've had, something I hear from um, the executive team is, next startup I have, I will hire HR sooner. And when they say HR, they mean someone to lead and build the function. Because there's two things that are trending right now that I wanna touch on. One is that yes, startups are, are implementing HR much sooner. They're recognizing the importance of having someone managing the human resources, right? Managing the employee experience, managing the compensation and benefits philosophy, managing the performance management focus and philosophy, and being that coach and partner to managers and the executives as well. So they're recognizing the critical need of that. And I actually think the pandemic put a huge um, magnifying glass on the importance of someone in that function. It's like HR's time now. Um, people actually understand and appreciate what we do for an organization. We don't just pay you, we do so much more. Um, and so that's a trend that's awesome. And I'm excited about that because it is so important. The other trend that I'm seeing is that companies get it and they want to have someone as a head of HR and they're not quite willing yet to give someone the status and frankly pay to really do it. And so I'm seeing this trend where these companies are putting these postings for head of HR, but it's either just a recruiting manager or an HR manager or even an HR director, which is great. And that's actually what my title was at my last job as head of HR. And I, I really want to challenge organizations um, to consider 
the impact that this function can have and what they're really asking this person to do and hire someone that can do that role because it sets everybody else up for success. So those are two big trends I'm seeing in terms of what's going on with this, you know, new HR is coming in sooner, which, which is fantastic. And I think that for companies that are considering it, I, I don't think there's, you know, too early of a time to have someone that can focus on building out those frameworks and strategies and approach to attracting, retaining, and developing your team. I'd imagine you're probably the perfect person to ask this question, but I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about, number one, I love the fact that those trends are developing, right? Um, HR is being, you know, much more valued, especially like you said, the pandemic has kind of put a magnifying glass upon that for just all the things that HR does and is responsible for. I've always been blown away when I learn just the sh how much <laughs> responsibility falls into that role. Yes. It's incredibly yeah. important. And I love the fact that now it's being thought of as more of an advantage, right? Uh, so all the value you can get out of it. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about that in terms of why the incentive for thinking about building out that HR function and especially building it out sooner. Can you talk about that a bit from the perspective of the, the value that the company and the organization as a whole is going to get for embarking upon that? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that I notice that happens when, when you don't have someone that's really leading HR from a true leadership lens, you start to get these siloed approaches to how things are done around the organization. So the sales team has their own way of hiring and incentivizing and giving feedback. And then the engineering team has their own way of hiring and incentivizing and giving feedback. And then you have these uh, smaller little cultures that start to pop up on these teams, which is great, and that's gonna happen regardless. And sometimes they're in conflict with each other. And if you don't have that one unifying voice over both of them that can say, here's how we hire, here's how we promote, here's how we give feedback, you can start to get rifts in the organization and those silos start to break down the ability to have collaborative cultures and communication around the organization. Um, the, the other thing is there, there just isn't that resource that people can go to to have difficult conversations. You know, that's one of the really critical roles that people ops can play in organizations. And one of the things that I got the most amount of feedback on in my last organization when I was leaving was the leadership team really feeling like, who are our managers gonna go to now? Who are they gonna go and talk to about the difficult stuff they're managing on their team? They might not come to me, their people manager, because I, I have a different relationship with them and with the team and, and my goals are different, right? Um, and if they don't have that trusted resource that's kind of outside of it in some ways that they can go and feel confident and comfortable talking to and get the coaching they need to build successful teams, you know, you really start to struggle in terms of manager effectiveness, manager skill set, um, and trust with leadership and executive teams as well. Yeah, I think you put that really well, kind of having that consistent approach, right? Because that has heavy influence on the culture as well, too, right? In terms of yeah. like, here's how we do this, here's how we do that. And one, everyone is on the same page, and it's very transparent in terms of how that process operates. It really builds an awesome and a healthy culture. And I think that's one of the most exciting things about you, you know, informing us that the HR function is starting to get built out sooner yeah. in this organization's development, because it really is a critical role, right? Like it, without that critical piece in place, 
that does not set you up very well for success. And trying to fix that after you've made you know a series of mistakes is going to be going to be difficult. Yeah, yeah, and I'll just add that you know it's not HR's job to to do a culture right or set a culture for you, and that's. And what HR can do, though, is help influence the way you talk about the culture, the way you reward and recognize or, you know, fire based on the values and the culture, right? You know, how you hire and how you reward and recognize and how you fire people, that sets the tone. And if you don't have a consistent voice in charge of that, that starts to erode culture. So I wouldn't hire people ops because you want to fix your culture because they can't come in and fix your culture. Um, and I would hire people ops earlier to help set the tone for a really great company culture. Really well put. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. So next question I have for you, right? We've talked about this as well too. Can you talk about how to have the right perspective when you're looking to build out the HR function in terms of building it around the needs of your organization, right? Because you don't want to be decoupled from what the needs of the organization are. Those two should mesh fairly well, right? So walk us through what the right kind of thought process is to be thinking about this in terms of how do I build out the HR function around the needs of my organization? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think for me, one of the areas that I focused in that um, there, there's a little bit of a tension in terms of this is, do you hire specialists or do you hire generalists? Um, so I do think it's really important that when you're making that first HR hire to get really clear about what what the long-term need and vision is, right? If you're gonna scale and you're gonna grow and you know you're gonna raise more capital or you're gonna hire more people, you should hire someone early on that can be a leader through that. And sometimes companies early on hire someone that's an office manager that can kind of do everything or that is a HR generalist that they feel like can kind of do everything. And that's great if you're gonna stay small because if you're gonna stay small, you need someone that can be a jack of all trades, right? and if you're gonna scale and grow, it's okay to hire someone early that can help you be a leader in that growth. And then once you are growing and you're ready to add to the team, there is this tension of recruiter next versus generalist next. Um, and I, the way that I've done it is, I've been lucky enough to find, and this is a unicorn role in some sense, I've been lucky enough to find people that wanna do both. They're, have great recruiting skills, they're ready to recruit and go through that, you know, hunt and gather and sales recruiting focused, and they're excited about the generalist aspects of people ops, and they want to learn more about onboarding effectiveness, employee experience, um, employee engagement, and all of that. So if you can find people like that, I think those are great number two hires for people ops, because they'll be able to grow with you as well. And then as you do start to scale, there's this next level tension, which is the HR business partner versus the specialist versus the generalist. And, you know, my approach has always been that I think HR business partners are really great assets for HR teams in large companies. So if you have a large functional unit that you want one person to be that go-to, that's a great place for an HR business partner. I personally have never hired them or worked with them because I've never worked with companies over 600 people. Um, and even the largest my last com- my second to last company got was about 350 and we didn't need an HR business partner. Um, so I'm much more used to working with, as you start to scale and maybe build out a talent acquisition function, then you have those specialized recruiters that sit there. And then you have specialized generalists that are able to do a lot of the other functional Unit. So that's how I kind of think about the growing 
aspect of it. And you have to ask yourself, if you're just going to be doing recruiting for a year plus, hire a recruiter. You know, if you're going to be doing a mix of both, look for that generalist who can balance both. And it is a challenge to find that person. I think that's kind of a great framework to think about it, right? In terms of these are different roles, right? Yeah. So you want to really get a better understanding of what your true needs are in the short term and then who you want to be when you grow up in order to lay out the plan moving forward in terms of, okay, who do we hire now? And then how's that going to evolve over time? Yep. Well put. Next question for you is, right, and I, I can only imagine that plenty of people find themselves in this situation when they try to do this, hopefully trying to do it right. But mm -hmm. for anyone that's either going through this transition currently, either in the role or from an executive level, and they're overwhelmed and they're feeling stuck where they are, they're not making that kind of progress, what guidance do you have for them to kind of get back on track and start making progress in the right direction again? Yeah. And, you know, I think nine times out of 10, that happens because we're trying to do too much. And I run into that all the time. I'm always trying to do too much um, because there's so much to do and it's exciting and you want to do it. Um, for me, a couple of things that have helped are utilizing an OKR approach, right? So, okay, here's my annual view of what I want to do for the year. And then breaking it down quarterly. Here's what I can do this quarter. And then having that gut check conversation with myself or my boss or my team around, can we do this or is this still too much? And then shaving back if it is. Um, and I tend to bucket things as well in HR. So I think about um, training and development. I think about employee engagement. I think about diversity, inclusion, and equity. I think about recruiting or talent acquisition. And um, I think about uh, onboarding. And so I tend to look at, and I'm sure there's more that I'm forgetting, but I tend to um, look at those buckets and then try to map out what, what should I do in this quarter? Okay, when are we sending out our engagement survey? When are we doing our um, you know, quarterly development check-in syncs? Um, is there any training needs that are coming up that I should plan for? When's the next onboarding class running? How many roles do we have to fill? And so I go through that in terms of thinking about what are the things to do for this quarter. And then if there's, if it's all execution and I need to just be focused on execution for a quarter, I'm honest with myself about that. And it's like, okay, it's an execution quarter. Let's just put our heads down and do it. And if there's room for introducing a new program, introducing a new tool or framework, introducing a new training, you know, then I, I fit that in as well. But you have to get honest with yourself about what can I do in this quarter and then plan for that. That's what I tend to do. The other really important thing is having those relationships and communication paths with the executive team to ensure that they're bought into the work that you're doing. So something that can be a challenge for people building out people ops for the first time in terms of hitting walls or getting overwhelmed is also when you're not quite sure what the executive team is looking for, right? Or you're not quite sure what they want to champion and do with you because they have to champion the work or it's not gonna get done. Their teams model what they do. And if they're not bought into what HR is producing and sharing out, then the teams aren't gonna buy into it either. So making sure that if you're not on the executive team that you're having those weekly or biweekly or monthly catch-ups with them to talk about what's going on in your team, what are your needs, and building those relationships. Um, and then also giving them access and information and, and early buy-in um, to what you're gonna do. So I tend to overshare with the executive team 
what I'm doing, what I'm working on and ask for their input. If they don't get it, I take it and I run with it. And then I hound them to make sure they're bought into it and say like, remind your teams, reply to my email. You know, you have to be building that, those, those champions there. And that also helps you stay focused on what to do and where to focus and, and keeps you connected with feeling you know, good about the work you're doing because you're seeing them interact with it. You're seeing them champion it and share it and helps, helps keep you focused. Yeah, that's a ton of value right there. You mentioned a couple of things in that response that I wanted to ask you a little bit more about because it's something we've touched on previously. You talked about right, getting buy-in, mm -hmm. developing those champions, really, and the previous topic we discussed was building trust along the way. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about that in terms of how you get started off the right foot there and then how you make sure that that trust level is rising as you're continuing to you know, expand upon all these initiatives that are core to the function. Yep, absolutely. So, you know, you have, you, you spend time, right? So it's, it's a lot of time up front talking, setting up meetings and just listening, asking questions and, and listening, not, um, not promising anything, not telling them how to solve their problems um, and not, you know, telling them what they're doing wrong or right. You know, frankly, it's, it's just listening early on and collecting those themes and understandings. And then as you continue to have those conversations, it's asking that question of like, hey, you mentioned that this person is struggling in this role. Can I share some thoughts with you about, you know, what I think could be an impactful and helpful here? And they'll usually say yes, because they want the help. So then you share the thoughts. Um, and then that starts to build that communication, that back and forth of, you know, tell me more, or let me, you know, can you help me or, you know, can you write that email for me? All that kind of stuff. So it starts to build that relationship. Um, and then I think another thing that I've done is, is ensuring that I'm making the time and space to say, here's what I'm planning, but this isn't for me. It's for you and your teams. What's your feedback? And then I incorporate the feedback. Um, and sometimes it's a little bit of an ego blow because it's stuff that I think is awesome. And they're like, nope, this is all wrong. Um, but it's for them. It's not for you. And so incorporating that feedback and them seeing you incorporate the feedback is, is very impactful. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, people ops spends the money. <laughs> we don't make the money. And so we are a service part of the organization. And so making sure that we act in that way as we're advising and as we're partnering, I think has been really helpful for me because as you build that trust and relationship, the further along you get, then you can start to challenge them more and you can start to say, no, you can't do it that way. Here's the way you need to do it. Here's the outcome you're going to get. And they trust you. So they try it and then they see that you're right. And then <laughs> everything flows from there. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. I love the fact that you've mentioned right, increasing that transparency and in particular over communicating, right? Yeah. That helps us all stay on the same page. That helps us all build momentum in the right direction. And then as that trust builds over time, we could become more efficient with our communication, right? But in the beginning, it's important to make sure that we're not missing any steps. Everybody's kind of uh, moving at the same pace. We're all making progress in the right direction. Yeah. Excellent. Extremely well put. Uh, can't thank you enough for being here, by the way. The knowledge yeah. and information has been super helpful. I have a couple questions for you before we let you go. And the first one is, what resources might you share with us in the audience to learn more about this topic or really anything else related to the subject matter? Yeah, so... I've been really impacted by joining Slack groups, honestly, in terms of 
building my relationships in people ops, building my knowledge in people ops. Um, there's so much to learn. There's such momentum to changing the way that HR is structured and working right now, which is really exciting. And there's so many opportunities to do things differently and have a deeper impact. Um, and so I really like the resources for humans Slack group that Lattice has put together. Um, I, I'm an ambassador there, so I, you know, I'm not paid to, but I'm paid to <laughs> recommend them. Um, but they're, they're a fantastic resource. Um, if you go, if you Google resources for humans, um, Slack group, you'll probably come to a, a page where you can apply to join. Um, one of the things I also really love about it is they're really strict about no sales. So you really can feel like you can be open and you can talk and get resources. Um, another, uh, resource for me that has been really helpful is just I attend a lot of webinars um, from a lot of programs and tools that I think are helpful and then I get follow-ups in my inbox from them and I know it's all marketing and some of the resources are really helpful so reading white papers reading articles attending the webinars and just hearing what other companies and people are doing that to me is how I build my knowledge base and, and test and try out new things. Uh, Life Labs is a great resource and they give a ton of free help and support. Um, and I, I like their webinars. They're very interactive. You get in small work groups and you talk through stuff. So Life Labs is another resource that I recommend. Um, yeah, and you know, for podcasts, <laughs> um, it's great to listen to podcasts too and hear, you know, what are other people doing? What are tools and tips? Um, one person that I really love is Cy Wakeman. She's definitely opened up my mind in terms of in my own coaching and how I coach managers and, and some of the, the, the knowledge that she shares from a coaching perspective. Um, she's a great person to check out as well. That's an excellent list of resources. Thank you for that. We will link to that in the show notes. Great. And um, other question I have for you before we let you go is who should reach out to you and how can they get in touch? Yeah, I mean, anybody, I'm happy to chat. And not if you're going to sell me something, though, honestly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm happy to, to talk. I, I love being a resource for other people. I am always up for making time to talk to people who are starting out in people operations or building out a team. Uh, as you can probably tell, I, I'm, I'm pretty transparent. I'm an open book. I have ideas, and I like to share them. So, um if you join the resources for humans group, you can definitely find me there and Slack me there. You could also email me Adrian at admithub.com. I'm happy to take an email there. Uh, LinkedIn, connect me on LinkedIn, message me there. Um, seriously, I I'm happy to make time for people. I really like having conversations about HR and people operations. I'm a geek and I love it. So I'm happy to chat about it. Uh, and I love hearing what other people are doing too. Awesome. And thank you for sharing that. And I couldn't agree more. I love the fact that there's a lot of sharing going on between yeah. the organizations in terms of what everybody's doing. So we can continue to learn from each other. So it's amazing that all these resources yeah. exist. And thank you for providing that. Thank you for sharing it. And thank you for being here and sharing your knowledge and experience with myself and our audience. Awesome. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for, for having me and having this platform, Sean. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening to this episode of the People Analytics Podcast powered by StaffGeek. If you or anyone you know is a leader in human resources or talent acquisition and would be interested in being a guest on our show, please reach out to me at sean at staffgeek.com. That's sean, S-E-A-N, at staffgeek, S-T-A-F-F-G-E-E-K.com.
we would love to share your valuable knowledge with our audience. At this point, we'd like to take a moment to thank the sponsor of our show, StaffGeek. StaffGeek helps companies hire smarter by increasing retention and combating turnover, all while reducing time to hire. They do this by creating a customized behavioral assessment around your company's unique culture. Armed with your fit tech assessment, you're able to evaluate which candidates are the right fit for your company's culture. Start hiring smarter today with StaffGeek. If you'd like to learn more, reach out to StaffGeek at hello at staffgeek.com or visit them on the web at staffgeek.com.